Hola, you're listening to Mi Vida en Spanglish, a podcast donde hablamos real talk, como es y sin filtros. Soy Marisol, and in this space, we say it how it is. Hola familia, welcome back to another episode of Mi Vida en Spanglish. We're going to flip a switch today and head in a new direction with the upcoming topics that we're going to be uh, discussing hopefully in about a two or three series part. Um, we're going to be discussing the new generation of crystal babies, as I like to call them. These are the overprotected children of helicopter parents that are shielding them so much from life that are essentially rendering these children borderline dysfunctional. Excuse any noise you might hear as I am taking advantage of the fact that my children are in the dentist today and recording this episode in the car. In this first episode of the series, we will discuss how much protection is too much. When it comes to our children, we do everything possible to shield them from any and all harm within our abilities. We ask families to sanitize their hands and cover their mouths around our newborns. We teach the kids stranger danger to look both ways before crossing the street. To essentially have an awareness over themselves and their surroundings to stay safe and protected. But when is it too much? When does it become so much involvement from a parent that you damage your children's development? Their ability to assess risk, their ability to discern Um, you know, a possible dangerous situation. They become so dependent on the parent and us for ensuring they, their safety that the children are essentially incapable of um, assessing situations or functioning for that matter. These children are so codependent emotionally um, that they become socially inadequate and socially dysfunctional and are overstimulated very easily or you know they are so overwhelmed by new experiences or risky experiences or possible scary scenarios that they cannot perform so we're going to be delving into that conversation that can be you know a little bit irritating to some parents but you know I'm sorry we're gonna talk about it I have been victim to it we all do as parents especially with our first kid um, it's a huge learning curve and you know this isn't a judgment this is not a judgment um, podcast today this is more of an hopefully an eye-opener for a lot of us out there that have children that are maybe first-time parents that maybe got to become parents through very uh, a very difficult um, And, and struggle uh, laden situation so it makes us you know more sort of protective of our children so there are a lot of um, reasons why we overprotect our children for starters our own upbringing and the experiences that we had you know maybe we had a lizard jump on us as a child that created a phobia for lizards and subconsciously we instill that fear into our kids as they grow up and Uh, they haven't had the experience of the lizard falling onto them. So the phobia isn't relevant to their story, but through our actions, we teach it to our children. So that's one example, a very diluted and, and quick example of, of a situation that usually happens with, with children. Um, and especially when parents are not necessarily aware of how we behave around our children from our fears and not necessarily because of their own fears that they have 
Essentially, it is my personal belief that avoiding pain in our kids is creating weakness. And that doesn't mean that you're going to like, you know, put your kids in situations so that they can experience pain just so that they can be strong people. That's not, you know, that's not normal or healthy in any capacity and will probably result in a weaker emotional child. But I do believe that as a parent of two boys personally, um, I have taken a more traditional old school kind of approach to raising my children when it comes to discomfort or challenges and even pain. I call it the figure it out method, which basically means I allow my kids to struggle and figure things out. It boils down to some very simple principles, I suppose, if I have to determine principles for how I raise my kids. I never really thought about it until now. Um, but essentially, you know, number one, if you ain't bleeding, it ain't that serious. Shake it off. Um, to any parents listening, obviously, I assess the situation. I'm talking about a tumble, not falling headfirst to the ground, okay? So don't think that I am um, telling my boys, oh, don't cry. No, I let my boys cry. If they are emotional, if they have pain, they are allowed to express themselves. But I am very also aware of the fact that children in general, not boys, not girls, but just children in general should be taught to be courageous and to be brave and to... Um, not always rush to the emotional side of a situation, um, but really kind of assess, is this worth the tears? You know, I tell my kids, save your tears for something really important, okay? Like, if do you have to really cry or can you just shake it off? Can mommy do a sana sana culito de rana and, you know, make it all better? Um, so I think that as parents, we have to stop rushing to our children whenever they fall. And, and I don't mean just physically falling. I mean also in all situations, you know, whenever your child is falling, um, be it with friendships or relationships or, you know, in, in, in distress for a situation, you can offer them help and make sure they understand. If you need help, ask me. Because that's something we have to teach our kids is to ask for help, not just expect the help. And if you need help, ask me and I'll be there. So they know they have a support system. You know, they have somebody that they can count on. Um, but you're not just going to go and rescue them, even if they haven't asked to be rescued. Sometimes kids want to challenge, like, you know, be challenged and experience discomfort. Um, like my four-year-old, you know, he's trying to learn to tie his shoes. So he'll make this big knot and he'll throws a shoe and he has a, you know, a meltdown because he can't figure it out. But if he's not asking me for help, I'm not going to go and figure it out for him. Um, he knows I'll tell him if you need help, let mommy know. And I'll walk over and I'll help him when he, once he is at his limits. Um, but I let him struggle. I let him try. Just because I hear him moaning and complaining, that is not a call for help. And parents need to get that into their heads. You do not need to go rescue your children from situations where they haven't asked for you to rescue them. This, this, um, I believe this counts now when they're very little. It counts when they're 10 years old, like my oldest. It also counts when they're 20 or 30. If your child is not asking you for help, make sure they know you're available but also let them struggle a little. They need to have faith and be proud in their own abilities and they need to develop courage. Um, number two, I do believe this kind of piggybacks on number one. I do believe that crying is necessary, but not everything and everyone deserves our tears. And I make sure my children know this. If somebody was mean to you and somebody hurts your feelings, you can cry because you're hurt, but you really need to know and kind of like assess why you're crying. And I asked my child, you know, um, did they hurt your feelings or were you crying because of their friendship? Like, why are you crying? Because not everybody deserves our tears. And I think that's so important for them to really grasp. Um, I think especially parents of daughters, 
I think that parents of daughters need to do a good job explaining to our daughters that some people are just not worth it. And I think that's why a lot of women, you know, we struggle as we grow older with our emotional um, control and, and our tears and, and who we give them to because we, we just release them so freely over any idiot um, or any situation. Um, I don't think we're really taught to assess if somebody's worth those tears. You understand? Um, and yeah, definitely express yourself. Yeah, definitely release. But ask yourself, you know, if you ask yourself, is he worth it and you still want to cry, go ahead, cry it out. But just that's a good question to teach our children to ask ourselves. Is that situation or is that person really worth your tears? Um, number three, I teach my kids that if you dirty it or mess it up, you're definitely capable of picking it up, at least trying. Obviously, this is very age appropriate. This is very something you have to obviously keep their age in mind. But I do believe that if a two-year-old child can throw food off the table on purpose, you are more than able to give them a little bowl and make them sit down on that floor and pick up their food and put it back in the bowl because a child needs to start understanding that they are responsible for their actions. Um, and if they do something intentionally wrong or if they mess something up or if they break something or dirty a wall you can give them a rag and try to have them clean it they might not succeed um and they might still need your assistance in teaching them or guiding them or maybe even doing it at some point um again that's very age relevant so you really need to take their age into consideration in these scenarios but i do believe that you need to let your child at least try don't immediately assume oh he's so little he's incapable um that's really sucks for the child because it means, dude, like you have no faith in your own kid. You know, you have no faith in your own parenting um, that you don't trust that you've taught your child anything. Or at least you don't have faith in your child's abilities to even attempt it. Yeah, kids are going to screw it up 90% of the time, but eventually one day they will get it right. It's like teaching your child to do the bed. If you take a picture every day of them doing their bed, I would say the first 50 times they do their bed is going to look like crap. And then one day you wake up and the bed is perfect. You know, um, it just gets better and better. And it's like anything in life. They have to practice to understand it, to perfect it, to improve. And if you don't give them the opportunity, you're going to have a child that, again, is completely dependent on you and can figure it out. And it's all cute when they're little. But there comes a point where it just becomes overwhelming and exhausting as a parent. Like, I think, you know, your kid under three, under two is cute when they do certain things you're like oh you know you're so quick to go and do it but if you have one kid is cute once you have two kids is exhausting and the more kids you add is more overwhelming for you so make your children independent people I always remind myself that yeah my children are mine for now I will always be their mother but that doesn't always that doesn't mean that I will always get to mother them it doesn't mean that I will always get to be an active participant in their daily lives and the decisions that they make so we have to teach them to be independent and functional. And we have to teach our children to understand that they are essentially going to be responsible for themselves, which means that they have to have skills. They have to be able to cook themselves a meal. They have to be able to wash their laundry. They have to be able to clean a bathroom and clean their spaces. They have to be able to function as an independent person so as not to, one, be a burden to anybody else, um, their spouses when they grow up um, a lot of times especially with with Hispanic homes and um, boys we raise little princes 
you know, that are handicapped um, mentally and cannot function and be independent and self-sufficient. So they get a wife to essentially become their mother and their maids. So that mentality needs to be nipped in the bud. I think that um, we need to start making self-sufficient and independent people to avoid problems in their own lives and conflict. And hell, let's be realistic. We don't know when we're going to drop dead either. And not everybody's going to dote on our children how a mother or a father dotes on their children. So we also have to set them up for reality and for life. And they need to be able to, um, to be functional, you know? Now, again, to piggyback on number four, it, I will not do it for you. I can guide you. I will encourage you. I will have your back. Well, I will not, but I will not do it for you. If you didn't try alone first, I'm not going to help you. That is point blank um, how I have all my interactions with my boys. Yeah, I don't care if it's done perfectly, if it's done poorly, whatever, but it needs to be tried. And and when I say done poorly, again, depends on the age, okay? Because if I tell my four-year-old to help me take out the dishes from the dishwasher, which I do, he's responsible for putting, you know, all of the forks and spoons and things like that, things that I know he can reach that are not dangerous to him, he's allowed to put those away. Sometimes he puts them wrong or whatever, and I come back and I show him how it's done. Um, but he tries, and that is invaluable. You really have to make sure that your children are trying. I will not do it for them unless I see the effort. I can, like I said, I will guide you. I will give them directions. I will encourage you. I will have their back, but I will not do it for them. Okay. I cannot because again, like I was saying before, I will not always be around and I do not want my children to be incapable people that are not self-sufficient and are not, um, you know, I, I, when I was in college, um, I was an RA and then I was a CA, which is a resident assistant. And then I was a community assistant. That means that as a resident assistant, I had a small group of students that I was responsible for in, in housing on, uh, on campus housing. And then as a community assistant, I had a whole bunch of buildings that I was responsible for, um, in, in on campus housing. So I saw so many scenarios of so many students that had conflicts with their roommates. They had conflicts, um, because they essentially couldn't function. They didn't know how to pick up their own laundry or, you know, put a load. They didn't know how to clean a bathroom. They didn't know how to do basic things. And so seeing that and seeing the conflict that that created in that, um, sort of fake scenario of life, because college is still, I think, to some degree, a fake scenario of life, um, really put things into perspective for me. And I used to sell myself, man, when I become a parent, I'm going to make sure that I have children that are very independent and very capable because that's damn shame. When you're a grown ass, 18, 19, 20 year old person and that you cannot wash a toilet, I don't care boy or girl, that is a shame. That is disgusting. And I think that um, as a parent, like you're doing a crappy job point blank. If you're not making sure your children know how to do these things. Yes. Books are important. Sports are important, but you don't sit on a book to poop and you do not eat a book. All right. So you need to know how to make a meal and you need to know how to clean a toilet. Just basic life. Okay. Let's, let's just agree to disagree on this. If you don't agree with me, but at the end of the day, that's a fact. You might not like it, but you need to teach your kids things. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next one that I try to really focus on with my children. And that is that if you made poor choices, 
you have to handle the consequences. I will not shield you from them. If you make poor choices in your classroom, I'm not going to be the parent that's going to go in there and have your back despite your crappy behavior when you know better okay i'm not gonna go and argue with your teacher to make you feel superior i have seen people do this guys don't do this that is awful when you if you have something to say to the teacher some teachers are out there you know some teachers are disrespectful they take advantage they're racist they're prejudiced whatever the case may be i experienced that with my own child do you think i was going to have that argument or that conversation in front of my child no, because that teacher is still an authority figure in that child's life and they need to respect that child, that, that teacher um, and that situation, whether they like the teacher or not, whether the teacher likes them or not, because you know what? Sorry to burst your bubble, but your children will not always be around people that like them or that they like and they're still going to have to function. Or let me let me ask you this. Do you like everybody you work with? I'm sure you don't. I'm sure there's a Karen or two where you work. And you have to suck it up, bite your tongue, and go about your business. So, and do what you got to do. Not everybody likes their boss. Not everybody likes X, Y, or Z. So, teaching our kids um, to be functional people, even in scenarios where they're not necessarily completely content, is also important. They cannot like everybody, and everybody will not always like them. I make sure my kids know this. You know, like... It sucks, yeah, but it's life. It's reality. I can't shield them from reality. Um, not in not in that way. Because that way is going to handicap them and create false expectations about life. It's not reality to, to assume that everybody will always like you, that you will always like everybody, and that things will always be peachy keen. Um, now, back to talking about the poor choices. If my kid, like this is an actual scenario, my kid... Um, is very he's very smart he's a very smart kid uh, my 10 year old and he usually gets bored easily in the classroom and he even though he's in gifted classes um, he gets he, he'll do his work in a minute and then he's bored and he'll have 30 books and he can read he sits on the in the toilet you guys and he can read a whole book in two hours and it's you know he loves it um, but he'll, he'll take all his books in the classroom and so his teacher you know calls me she's like you know I really hate having to have this conversation because it's such a wonderful skill that he has that he really loves to, to read but it can be disrupted if he's doing it at the wrong times I'm just like you know yeah I'm like in my heart I'm like damn but he's reading you know like how can we be upset about that but dude he he's making poor choice there's a rule he clearly broke it I don't care if you were solving Einstein's theory of relativity you cannot do that when there's something else going on period like you have to learn to follow rules our whole world is dictated by rules rules are in place for a reason they have to learn to follow them do I want my kid to be an outside the box thinker and doer I don't want him to be a sheep yes hence why we don't believe in religion but you know that's a whole other story um, don't confuse that with atheism I'm not an atheist although I have nothing against atheists but I don't believe in religion and precisely because I don't like the sheep mentality you guys but um, my child has to learn to follow rules because he lives in a society made up of rules and if he makes poor choices and breaks those rules then he has to handle the consequences I will not not have my child's back quote-unquote in a situation where I don't need to have his back he needs to face them face on and I remind him I tell my kid you want to act you know, make choices that are above you to handle the consequences, then love, you have to handle those consequences. I will not protect my child from his consequences that he incurred upon himself consciously. At 10 years old, 
you pretty much know right from wrong in most situations. So I expect him to act accordingly. My four-year-old, I guide him through it um, to develop consciousness and start guiding him into understanding right and wrong. So there, again, things are always age. You have to adjust them to a child's age. But um, I will not shield my children from reality. I, I will have them face the consequences of their actions, okay? This one, I've had conversations with some parents and some friends that, you know, don't always agree with me on this one, but I think it's important not to underestimate our kids. I think that um, a lot of times we talk to our children like they're idiots, like they're incapable of comprehending a complex situation, like they are incapable of comprehending loss or pain or struggle. Um, that you know they cannot understand what's going on in their own bodies that we need to protect them like somehow if we talk to our child about testicles and penises that that's going to want to make them have sex you know like even though they don't know what the hell sex is Um, so I think as parents we really need to make an effort and break away from our own stigmas that we were brought up in not necessarily me because I was very thankful to have an extremely open-minded mother that would talk to us about everything but most of the people around me have not had that um, I have a friend who didn't know what a period was until her period actually came down. And she was freaking out because she thought she was dying. I mean, and she was 14 years old. Can you imagine being a 14-year-old girl so shielded from the world that you didn't know what your period was and then you're completely taken by surprise because um, her mom wouldn't talk to her about her period. And I think in, the, in that situation is very much an ethnic thing. Um, they were very traditional uh, Hindu. And so she said that that was very taboo in her home and that that's something that they never spoke about. Um, I'm sure that that's not for everybody. I think there's plenty of educated people, but I think for um, very traditional, you know, homes, that can be the case in Spanish communities and all communities. I think we really need to speak straight up with our kids and honestly. I think if our kids are mature enough to ask a logical, coherent question, they deserve an age-appropriate, logical, coherent response. Like when my son was, my 10-year-old was, I believe, six he asked six. Yeah, he asked, "Why do you have testicles? Um, why why are those little balls hard inside of the testicles? You know, like what does it do? What is, why is it there for? Because he understands why his penis is there. He pees, right? But the testicles they didn't make any sense to him. So he's like six, and he comes to me. He's like, "Mom, why do I have testicles?" And I said, "I could have been like, well, you know, you store sperm in them, and you ejaculate, and you're gonna impregnate somebody." But he's six. That's not an age appropriate response. I can still be honest and age appropriate. Okay. So my response was. Well, your testicles produce a hormone called testosterone, which is what helps your body grow into becoming a man. Satisfied with that response, he loved it. He was very excited to have testicles after that, okay? So I think that we need to speak to our children straight up and honestly. Um, If they ask us illogical and coherent questions, we need to have logical and coherent age-appropriate responses and build on those honest age-appropriate responses. Do not lie to your children. They're not idiots. You know, um, yeah, Santa is a good lie. They all love Santa. Uh, the Easter Bunny, that's a great lie. They all love the Easter Bunny. Those lies are not going to alter their entire existence or their perspective on sexuality or their, themselves or pain or loss or the environment. But um, they eventually outgrow those fallacies without trauma. But, you know, when it comes to their bodies, I believe, especially their bodies and their development, and their sexuality and um, relationships and I think that we really need to be uh, and their emotions and um, 
how other people around them behave or why they make certain choices, then we really need to be very, very honest, okay? Another thing that I personally try to be very conscious of with my children is that I will not sugarcoat life. Like I said before, pain, human suffering, need, unfairness, racism, prejudice. As you grow, I will open your eyes and minds to these realities. I believe that children need to be aware of these injustices and realities in our world because maybe they'll want to take the initiative to change it. Maybe they will be proactive and um, do something about it or at least develop human empathy, at least develop um, an ability to see a person and really see them and their need and their experiences. Um, We were walking in Atlanta once and my son asked me if... if, um, there were some people, homeless people, living under a bridge, and they looked, you know, very distraught. And my son asked me about it, and he he was about eight. Yeah, it was about two years ago. And I was very sincere. I told him about, you know, situations that that person may be experiencing in their lives. Okay, so I think that um, in order to have a better approach in this particular topic, since it tends to be a little bit um, sensitive with some people, they really shield their children from human suffering and racism and unfairness and things like that. I thought I'd ask my 10-year-old to join me for this particular part alone. So um, like I was saying, I tried not to sugarcoat life, pain, human suffering, need, unfairness, racism, prejudice, etc., it goes back to what I said, if my child can ask a question or see something, then I feel like it's my job as their mother to be very honest, um, age-appropriately honest, and um, clue them in, okay? So as my children grow, I will definitely work on opening their eyes and their minds to the realities of life. So I have my 10-year-old here with me. Say hi. Hi. And um, I wanted to ask him, how does he feel about the fact that I talk to him honestly about... Uh, unfairness. So Jose, what do you think and how do you feel about the fact that I always talk to you so honestly about what's going on in the world? I, I, I'm not sure how I feel. Never thought about it? Yeah, I've never thought about that. So like if, for example, if I, do you remember that time when we were in, in Atlanta and the we saw the homeless people under the bridge? Do you remember that? Yeah. And you asked me about it and I told you that sometimes people use um, drugs and be, fall into that situation or they may or maybe runaways or maybe they lost their their job and their home and then they had no other choice um, how did knowing that make you feel it made me feel bad for the people and kind of sad but did you feel like it was um, bad that I was so sincere with you about it or did you feel like I should have lied to you um I'm actually happy that you were sincere with me and not lying. So it made you see people. Did you see them? Like, how did you see them before I told you um, what could lead somebody to that scenario versus after I told you? Um, them getting, like, um, losing their money. Um, or, like you said, What's happening in 2020 with COVID, a lot of people are losing their jobs and they don't have enough money to pay for food and and their house and they may get kicked out or evicted. And it could lead to more homelessness, right? So it just makes you more aware about what's going on in the world. 
yes. and how that can lead. Do you see these people in, a, in like less than people or do you see them like with empathy in your hearts? Do you feel for them when you see them? Yes. Like what kind of scenarios have, have you experienced like with daddy, for example? Like remember that family that was by the supermarket and daddy went and did groceries for them? Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel? I made me feel that made me feel proud of daddy because he did he did a very nice he did a very nice thing did it make you feel like that's something that you could do and yes yeah yes well thank you papi for for joining me and talking about this particular aspect i think it's important to know what our kids think about that i think a lot of times parents feel that being honest with our kids is gonna traumatize them sometimes or is gonna um, hurt them in a way and it's good to know that you're not traumatized <laughs> but that you are feeling emotions for for people in bad situations and that you are able to empathize and and really them. so thank you for joining me today you're welcome okay so i have another question for you you know how i always push you and i always tell you that i'm gonna do everything i can to turn you into an independent capable person that can look after himself and others that you work for what you got and that you do not drown in a glass of water right like i tell you all the time yeah 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 Yeah. um i I know i'm always pushing you and i'm always saying you gotta keep your room clean because if your room is clean and decluttered your mind is decluttered and, and you know you can think and you gotta make sure you know how to do a load of laundry and make yourself some food how does that make you feel i'm sure you feel frustrated uh, yes a I lot do. sometimes or... i do feel frustrated Fr- because you'd rather be doing yeah. something else yeah like what like playing video games or watching tv but don't you like the fact that you're able to make yourself yes, a, yes. a meal that you don't need yes. me to go and like rescue you yes. every time what things do you know how to do that make you proud that maybe other kids your age don't know how to do cook okay i remember that time that i made breakfast for you yeah and that was a big breakfast too it wasn't like just toast it was nice yeah what else do you know how to do that that makes you proud of yourself i know (laughs) um i'm not sure you know how to clean a bathroom yes and you know how to clean a bathroom like good yes like with the detergents and the brush yeah um you know how to clean a toilet what does mommy tell you if you pee on it you clean it you clean it um and that do you know how to do your laundry yes okay do you know how to sort your laundry yes do you know how to dust and vacuum yes and how old are you 10 yes baby that's right (laughs) that's a proud mama so you might not always like it but you really love that you can can do it can you yes i'm glad um, I always try to make sure that my children understand that their feelings, their mood, and their emotional well-being are no one's responsibility but your own. I always tell my son, he's right here next to me right now, because um, he just got done with the dentist. I'm waiting for the other one. But I always tell my son that if he's if he's angry or if he's sad or happy or not happy or whatever, that that's on him. It's not on anybody else. How we regulate our emotions is our own responsibility. Yes, a person can make you angry through their actions. But how you react is your choice, right, baby? Yes. Like how, how, you, how much power you give to someone else over your emotions is your responsibility. Your happiness is no one else's responsibilities. Why do I tell you all, all the time that you can choose to what? Be either happy or be miserable. <laughs> miserable, yeah. It's a choice. And it, yeah, a situation might not have been what you've wanted it to be. But is that going to ruin your whole day? I literally say this to my son 
all of the time when, you know, he gets punished or we have a disagreement or I'm upset or he's upset or whatever, um, it's kind of, it boils down to, okay, yeah, I get it. You're mad. You're, you're upset. You're sad. You're disappointed. You're frustrated. You're a plethora of feelings, but are you going to let those feelings ruin the entire day? You can feel them in this moment and be done and then make better choices so that we can enjoy the rest of the day. Um, and I really try to push that home with my kids because I come from a history of a family of a history of depression and a family history of people feeling like it's everybody else's responsibility, what we feel. And no, I don't want my children. That's a chain that I definitely want to break with my children. I don't want my children to feel that their emotional stability, their emotional well-being, their happiness is dependent on things, people or situations outside of them. That is solely the responsibility of the bearer. And we need to really make sure to hit that home with our children. Um, we're going to, that being said, all of those 10, 11, I don't know how many things I said. That being said, I am genuinely in shock, genuinely in shock at so many new parents approach to raising their kids. I try and respect it, but God damn it, I'm a highly opinionated person and I have an opinion. What the fudge is going on today where parents are so afraid to quote unquote traumatize their kids that they are raising little crystal babies. Like they're afraid these little babies are going to break at the slightest um, mishap of their part or the, the slightest, you know, tear or whatever that the child sheds. It's like they're fragile little things that are incredible, just incredibly dysfunctional. I get Trust me, I get this more than anybody to break chains of neglect, of abuse, of violence, of poverty, of, of miscommunication, of depression, of whatever it is the chain that you want to break in your life with your children that maybe you experienced and you don't want your children to experience. That I get and I am a huge advocate for that. And I believe that people need to move forward and forth in that direction with their children, 100%. Sorry, I'm mumbling. I do believe that 100%. I believe that we should definitely be doing better than our parents. If there are some areas that we feel our parents could have done better, maybe, you know, but each of us does the best that we can with what we have when we have it. And that's something we have to understand. We need to do better to teach our children about communication, breaking gender stereotypes, and having healthy feelings. But when did that become the equivalent of do not allow your child to want, struggle, need anything? All right, guys, that concludes today's first episode of this series about crystal babies. I really appreciate you tuning in once again to Me Vida in Spanglish. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any feedback, please follow me at Me Vida in Spanglish on Instagram or go to our website at www.mevidanespanglish.com and I'll be more than happy to respond. If you feel like you're hearing a little bit of odd noise, I'm at the airport, I'm taking advantage of my time. Um, I really appreciate all of you. I hope you have a blessed day and thank you for listening once again to Mevidanespanglish where we say it how it is.